him and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Tim and Friends for a Wednesday. Rubinoff shaking his money makers. It was the gravest basket shimmy. <laughs> was that what that Brought was? Back. Brought I it thought back you were showing off your breastplate. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Speaking of tasty treats, we have a few on tap tonight right here on Sportsnet. <laughs> Leafs and Bruins immediately following us. You were shaking your breasticles, were you not? No, oh, that's the same there was thing. Like that's a little... what he did. That's what he did. I mean, there was a little bit more rhythm in his shaking of the Obviously. upper torso than you That's why had. it was a famous shimmy. I, I'm glad that you are fit the way you are. I don't know. I know you're not as fit as you'd like to be or you once were. Yes. Get in line. That however, yes. however in you're line. still tight enough that it doesn't really shake. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, it wasn't really shaking that much, so that <laughs> remains to be seen. Yeah, all right. But thank you for that. Well, maybe we'll try it out yeah. a little later on yeah. in the show. See Doubt if we can really shake Doubt it. it. Like a tail feather. <laughs> uh, all right, so Leafs and Bruins coming up nationally on Sportsnet. Oh, yeah. And this, Jesse, is the type of game that can unite Canada because it's either in your love for the Toronto Maple Leafs and their wonderful start, despite some serious adversity to begin the year, or... It's the enjoyment of the pain that Leafs fans face when they play the Boston Bruins. Like, there is one franchise that inflicts more serious pain in the last decade on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it is the Boston Bruins, is it not? Like, dare I say, Jesse, there's something... There's a little something for everyone. Oh, for, for every hockey fan. Yeah. The Leafs struggle tonight, it's like, ha-ha, Leafs can't, still can't beat Boston, and if they win... Leaf fans will be happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. I'm still rattled by the opening of this show. The shaking of the breastplate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, that threw I called you that a, much off guard. I called it a bunch of things, and I'm like, did I go too far on no. what I called it? And no, where? the shaking. I like it. The shaking of the breastplate. I, I don't envision this making it to the I end of the week. I may have called them breasticles, it's probably too, not going to make it into the end of the week <laughs> at all. Yeah. And listen, don't worry. It. If hockey's not your thing, if Jesse's <laughs> upper enough. body is not your Semi's thing. Semi's enjoying it too much. <laughs> no worries. We got you covered. <laughs> Two of the most talked about teams in the NBA. The Raptors and the Jazz square off in Salt Lake City on Sportsnet 1. That's a 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific start time. I am setting the over and under at mm -hmm. of GM, scouts, and brass-type individuals on hand. Over and under set at around 54, Jesse. Over or under the 54. All, not just GMs, because there's only number. 32 of them. No, that's a good number. 54 yeah, on scouts, GMs, and brass-type individuals who will be scouting this game, looking at players that they may or may not Well, want. seeing as we'll never actually know the real number, I'll go over. <laughs> right. I'm just going to take it over on that uh, But we will get the folks, the latest and greatest rumors floating around the internets, around the Jazz, mm -hmm. around the Raptors, and let you decide for yourself what you think is going to happen at the NBA trade deadline, which is now February 9th. We're, we're Feb 1. February 9th. NBA trade deadline, and if that weren't enough on this uh, Tim and Friends edition for the 1st of February, Tom Brady has announced his retirement again. Have you noticed at all that everyone is saying announced his retirement instead of just saying he retired? He really sewered himself by coming back <laughs> after the first time. He lost a little bit or all of credibility. But I think he's for real this time. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, won't get fooled again. <laughs> 
That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. honestly one of my favorite clips of all time. Of all time. That's it, George Bush, George, right? George yeah. W. Yeah. George W. <laughs> An old saying in, uh, I believe it's Tennessee. Fool me once. Shame on you. I'm going to have to find twice. it. I'll find it and we'll Won't play get it at some again. point in the show. It's too good. It's an I got a laugh. feeling Tom Brady oh. is where we start the opening segment of the show. This is what everyone's talking about today. It's First Things First with my man Jesse Rubinoff. So let's set the path, Robert Kraft. First Things First. first. Okay. Well, in quotes, I guess, Tom Brady has once again announced his retirement. Exactly one year ago today, Brady called it quits before eventually returning. Just 40 days later, the seven-time Super Bowl champion released this video this morning. Have a look. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured i just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. He was feeling it at the end there. Yeah, you could tell the emotions were taking hold in the speech tell. from the beach. Yeah, the speech from the beach. That's very good. Did you just patent that? Is that yours? You haven't seen that anywhere else today? I didn't, haven't had time to look at anywhere Pretty else. Pretty good. Today, yeah. uh, okay, speaking of time, is he retired for real this time? I think so. I mean, at least until like seven more San Francisco 49er quarterbacks get hurt. Right. Like yeah. he, he's retired until then. Like, imagine getting divorced for an eight and nine season. C can you tell me oh, whether or not there is a residual effect from the psych of last year? Like, we're, we're all, I'm still receiving the two for flinching that I got last year. Mm -hmm. my, my, my real question is, and this is, one year to the day that he announced his first retirement. So it lasted 40 days. What does Tommy Boy, who I know fancies himself a social media savant, come up with in 40 days from this one? Like, what does he announce 40 days after this one? Because you know he's going to do some sort of gag, right? Yeah, but yes. But he usually, he usually misses on most of his social media stuff. <laughs> Like he's he's got a lot of people helping him, I'm sure, but like for the for the most part, it's usually a swing and a miss. Okay, he's better than both of us on social media, but he also has more cringes per sixty than you and oh, I. Oh, no doubt about yeah. that. Like in forty days, there's an ad for Horizon on his social media, right? Like yes. He he comes up and says, "I have another announcement to make. I'm in San Francisco <laughs> to announce that I have signed with Rogers." And this Rome is, Like Home is the greatest device that you could is, possibly this have. This is a great point because it's, it's, we see this all the time with athletes. They retire and there's this like battle to stay relevant. And he is the most relevant of anybody. I don't and, get it. What do you mean you don't get it? I don't get why someone who's made as much money as he has still needs to do the podcast, signs the deal that'll start him on TV immediately when he's done his mm -hmm. career. Like I don't, there's a certain thirst trapness that makes you great and it also makes you cling 
to all of this. And, and honestly, if that were me and I had that money, love, peace, and hair grease, kids. No I am gone for a couple years. But I'd come back. But I'd be gone you for know at least is, a few years. You what, know what No, it is. I don't it's, know it's what e it is. It's ego. But what ego? It's, like, it's people telling you that you're the greatest of all time, literally all of the time. You can't go anywhere. Boom, you're the greatest at this, you're the greatest at that. Yeah, but you can retire the greatest of all time. In fact, he just did today. Mm -hmm. That should be good. This picture behind me. Like, that's all you need. You don't have to say Jack for the rest of your life. Imagine this. You don't have to. It's like Bill Russell and the picture that we have over there. You don't have to say Jack. That picture will speak for you for the rest of your life. And yet Tom Brady needs to speak with Jim Gray. They had Stephen A. Smith I saw on the podcast recently. I don't get it. I don't get why he needs to jump in with, I guess, Kevin Burkhalter. Like, is he going to be good as a broadcaster? Do we know this? He's getting paid over $300 million. He better be good. It's a lot of, it's a lot of cheese years, to throw at him. 375 million. It's a fascinating conversation. And I'm, I'm really glad, first of all, that you brought up that picture. We have that picture. Uh, because we asked online if Tom Brady actually stays retired this time, how will you remember Tom Brady? And this picture did factor in. Scott Carson writes in and says, this picture says it all just like the you The Scott Carson. The Scott yeah, Carson. Be, yeah, give a yes. little respect. Yeah, sorry. Name, right? The Scott Carson yeah. says. Uh, and then Mike with a different... Uh, iteration of this pick. So uh, that's Nick Foles, Spygate, D Ford, Bucks <laughs> defense, Tuck Rule, Eli Manning, Pat's defense, Falcons Come choked, on, Mike. Malcolm Butler. Oh, Come on. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you hold doing? On, hold on, hold on, hold what on. What happened, Jesse? That's, uh, that. okay, we're back. Um, Eli Manning was the oh, last yeah, one. Oh, yeah, we're back. We're back. Uh, and then. Can you stop? What? Oh, here you go. Okay, hold on. Here's the next one. <laughs> I'll remember him retiring twice. Uh, Top five of all time at most. Brady was just a system quarterback and a product of the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with that one. Uh, Sean says the, one of the greatest Bradys of all time. Nice Photoshop job. Yeah, it's good. yeah I like the Really the good. And then uh, Doug says the guy who's going to ruin Greg Olson's broadcasting career. So <laughs> I'm glad that you brought that up, too, because that is obviously the next question. There are some, I guess, rumors floating around, nothing too serious, but there, there are rumors that he may even have a little bit of a cameo in the Super Bowl booth because Fox does have the Super Bowl. It'll be Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. Yeah, Greg yeah. Olson's getting a lot of love, and you would presume, I think, given how, given how much he's going to make Brady, that... Brady will eventually supplant Greg Olson as the number one color analyst. I love how serious you are in all this. By the way, I've got to put some Brady. respect on Kevin Burkhart's Why name. Why is this locking? Very weird. <laughs> Your computer messed happen. up a little bit. Yeah, it just happens. you got to get you a new computer. It's the way it goes. No, yeah, it just sometimes I, it locks, but it usually doesn't happen like that. But <laughs> it is what it is. Well, I can't, it's very hard to control, you know? So like, it's technology and stuff. Is Tom Brady going to be good is the question because Greg Olson has turned into a really good... Color broadcast. And we talk about all the time about how Roma was amazing at the beginning and people loved him. And there are people that still love him. I still enjoy him, but the bloom has fallen off the rose a little I bit. I think they're Tony all Roma. really overrated. I was never really a huge fan of Tony Romo to start. Yeah. I did find that he rambles on and all those things, but whatever. It's a tough job, and I think that people overrate what happens in the booth. But Greg Olson's been really good. I've enjoyed Greg Olson. I don't know that Tom Brady will be great, yeah. but he's going to get every chance in the world because they paid him. They're paying him $375 million over 10 years. That's a lot of cash. You think Romo's overrated, eh? Think well, you know, Jim. Well, I don't know. You like my Romo? Yeah. <laughs> Is that? Yeah. That's the thing. Well, I, I, I don't know, Jim. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I think, you know what? Thank you. Yeah. All right, let's move on here. And uh, I'm, <laughs> Leave my line. I'm done. Hey, it off. Yeah, I'm done with the responses. No more uh, freezing here on my computer. Yeah, we're good. Let's we're move good. on. Okay, all right, Jim. Uh, Sam Macho coming up a little bit later. Let's move on to the big matchup on the network today. The Leafs and Bruins will meet for the third time this season. Of course, there's no love lost between these two teams given their history. And earlier today, Brad Marchand spoke about some of the trash talk you hear when facing the Leafs. No when to walk away. I really many guys that like to get into it. Mitch is out there talking about video games and his dog and <laughs> <laughs> those terrible new skates that he's got out. But uh, yeah, other than that, um, it's not a whole lot of guys that like to get into it. Hold on, hold on. Like, we got to play the second half of that clip, do we not? Uh, context? Right. <laughs> there is Fine. some context. Go for it. And we did it on socials too to Marshawn. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, here. <laughs> I respect this game. I think he's an incredible player. And, uh, that's usually what I tell him. I just said he's my favorite player, and um, you know. But I, I, I do. I think he's he's really, really good. And um, you know, we're not playing him. I enjoy watching him, and and the things that he does is really impressive. Okay, let me get something out in the open. Every team on planet Earth would love Brad Marchand. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, positively love Brad Marchand. And he plays, he puts on the black hat with absolute style. He, he knows he's the villain. He's playing the villain. And guess what? None of this is just out of the blue. You know why he picked Marner? He's got a four-game point streak against the Bruins where he's got 10 points. You know how many points Mitch Marner has in 18 career games against the Boston down, Bruins? Yeah. 30. 30 career points in 18 games against the Boston Bruins. Marner does not go away against the Boston Bruins. I'm guessing Marshawn knows that, and I'm guessing Marshawn decided that that was the target of his ire. And I absolutely love it, am here for it, and will tune in tonight to see what happens between the Leafs and the Bruins, not just because it's on the network, but it is on the network. Can we agree that Brad Marchand is very good for the game of hockey in the sense that he drives engagement? Eight Nine times out of ten. Yeah. Yes. Well, he does. He does some questionable <laughs> things. No, no doubt. Yeah. If he licked my face, like yeah. I don't know. But but at the same time, that's pretty engaging. Yeah. That's if he good called for us. me out on Twitter, which he might still, because he's he calling has, a lot of people out on he's Twitter today. Going after it. Yeah. Today. I, I mean, listen. There's I, no doubt. I don't really respond on Twitter anymore. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with it. Like I he, thought, you don't respond to, to to bots. If you don't, you have to have a name and a and yeah. A I'll I'll try to. I, I don't respond he to many that. people anymore. But I put that in my byline. Like if you're a bot or a you're done. You've no chance. Yeah, I'm not responding Fair whatsoever. Enough. Like if you're Johnny one six eight seven nine three eight four five, I'm not <laughs> responding to you ever if you look like you got a face and you got kids and you're trying to have some sort of conversation uh i might have some time but i got two kids of my own and a family and a life and stuff it's pretty reasonable i love uh, to coach my kids and stuff but <laughs> we'll continue the leafs uh bruins conversation because it is on the network and it should be a good hockey game but i want to follow up oh it's gonna be fun yeah it's gonna be fun i want to follow up uh on yesterday you questioned whether the Sens were in the hunt or not for the postseason do you think they have a shot at the playoffs? Uh, I wrote some things down when it comes to the Ottawa Senators. I mean, listen, Timmy Stutzla was unbelievable last night. Can we make him our guy? Like, I was sure. big on him going into the draft. Mm -hmm. I talked to Todd Halushko about his time in Mannheim and whether or not he would be good. And I feel like I've been on this train. My guy was third in the league. Sorry, he was fourth in the league in goal scoring in the month of January. He was 10th in the month 
in scoring overall. Like, this kid is really turning into a dude, and because of it, the Sens are now six points back of a wild-card spot. They've won four straight games. Listen, if they had have lost that game, they just would have went into the break quietly. Mm-hmm. But now, going into this 10-game spread, you can say, 10-day spread that they've got now, you can say, wait wait a second, can we have this conversation about the Ottawa Senators? I think, listen, the Islanders just added Bo Horvat. Buffalo Sabres have been playing much better of late. I mean, I've seen some bad Pens losses. But listen, there's teams ahead of them that are probably better than them. But the fact that they have played their way into the conversation deserves this. Because they've been through a lot this year. And you wondered if the coach was going to pay with his job. And I don't know if you're wondering that anymore. Right now, that's not a topic of conversation in Ottawa and or beyond. And I just want to give some love to the Ottawa Senators because it would have been really easy for them to just kind of fade into oblivion Mm -hmm. again. But they're not doing that. They're fighting. And with this head coach, that's one thing they've shown throughout that they will fight. And I like it. Yeah, they had one of the best off-seasons of any team. And they were, I guess, kind of expected to compete for a playoff spot at some point. Uh, MoneyPuck.com has them at 14.6% chance currently. That's your POF? Is that your making poff? the postseason. I know how much you hate the POF. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love POF. But uh, they still have a 0.8% chance of winning the cup. I, I wrote it down. So uh, these are my notes. I found them. Yeah. It took me way, way too long. Um, the only guys that have scored more goals in January, or now January's over, mm-hmm. so the only guys that scored more goals than uh, Stutzla, Jack Hughes, David Pasternak, and Sebastian Ajo. Decent players. Yeah, like he, so this is taking a leap. He's on a bit of a tear. And listen, yeah. it was always the power play for this team early in the league, yeah. early in the season. They're starting to add a little bit more. I'm a fan. Love I like it. the team. I like where they're going. Tons more hockey coming up uh, later in the show. Let's go to the Raptors now, who are also in action tonight. They'll take on the Jazz at 9 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet 1. We're now into February, which means the trade deadline is inching closer and closer. And rumors and speculations surrounding the Raptors continue to run wild, Tim. Please give me the latest. I, I really like Michael Grange's story. I retweeted, retweeted it in English. <laughs> I retweeted it earlier today because there was a lot in there. And we could uh, pick and choose many lines that I could share with you right now, but we don't have the time for it. Um, Gary Trent Jr. out there. Grange suggests that league sources peg Trent Jr.'s likely trade value at a protected first rounder or two good second-round picks along with a matching salary. Uh, He also says that there is belief that Fred Van Vliet wants to remain a Raptor, though fit, familiarity aside, money a factor there. And there's that tie to Clutch Sports. I don't know. Brought it up with Shams Charania, who is also a member of Clutch Sports, hoping to get an answer on whether or not Fred Van Vliet would go to Clutch because Clutch has a clutch on the Los Angeles Lakers. Nice. And clutch perha- with a K. Yeah, and perhaps if Freddie signs with clutch, you may see him end up with the Lakers at the deadline. Uh, Shams is saying that the Raptors have officially started listening on trade calls to OG Ananobi. That's really interesting because that might be the way to retool the quickest, as I suggested a couple days ago. And Sham says that the Suns, Knicks, Pelicans, Pacers interested in OG Ananobi. And uh, the Knicks, we've heard this before. I don't know if this is completely and utterly true because they all are protected. But three first-round picks for Ananobi, uh, whether or not you could flip those first-round picks and add to a team or just turn to Scotty Barnes and say the reins are yours, this is what's on the line over the next nine days for the Toronto Raptors, and I'm here for it. Like, I have a knife and fork, 
and I'm just sitting at the plate waiting. Thank you, sir. May I have another? There's, I mean, there's so many things from the rumors that I want to. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I would. That it caught me by surprise, frankly. The Gary Trent, two good second round picks for Gary Trent. I was like, well, if that's what the value is, then I think my personal preference would be to have him resign. Okay, but, you, but as Michael explained in the story, and obviously you haven't read it, Jesse. No, go for it. <laughs> Just being facetious. <laughs> um, you can't keep all of these guys, even if you like them, at their market value without going into luxury tax. Yeah. And if they're 12th in the league and in luxury tax, what sense does that make? No, I know. But it's two second-round picks. That No, but if you can't keep him... And you can't resign them, then you, you might as well get something in no, return. I, get, I understand. And that's where the, I almost swore, that's where the crappy franchises do themselves harm over and over and over and over. The Raptors used to do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, do we have a chance to resign this guy? Oh, if we have, well, then we better keep him. And then he walks out the door and you get nothing in return. The good franchises figure out what their lines are, where they need to be, and when they need to move on. And I'm sorry, these are tough decisions. They piss off fan bases, but it's the same thing that got you Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan. Mm -hmm. So you can play this game where you're like, I don't know if I'd like to return on blank, blank, or blank. I'm not just saying you. I hear it out there. You can play that game, but understand, that's the kind of game that gives you the first 20 years of this franchise. I was there for it. It was caca. And I don't want to go back there. So if it means tough decisions on good dudes and good players, get ahead. I'm here for it. So you'd rather not see the Toronto Raptors become the Charlotte Hornets is what you're saying. Exactly. And there's, you could replace the Charlotte Hornets with five other teams if you yes. wanted. Yes, yes. What was it? Eric Smith, who uh, was here a couple days ago and said that half of the teams in the league have won the NBA championship. Right. And the other half have been toiling in medio- mediocrity for a very long time. So. Yeah. All right, there's a a pretty significant story that came from the soccer world uh, this morning. A report surfaced that the Canadian men's national team head coach, John Herdman, had agreed to coach New Zealand's men's team. However, Herdman Herdman released a statement today stating success at this level will always invite opportunity. I've received several offers in recent months, all of which I have turned down, including an offer from New Zealand football. To our Canadian players and our fans, I want to reiterate my commitment to Canada soccer and the growing of this program. Canada soccer's general secretary, Earl Cochran, says John is under contract with the men's national team through the FIFA 2026 World Cup, co-hosted by Canada, U.S., and Mexico. Thanks, Mina. Canada soccer president, Dr. Nick Bontis, says John presented the men's national team plan for 2023 at our board meeting this past weekend, and it was received favorably by the directors. He also described longer-term plans for 2024 and 2025, for which we were all supportive. What was this all about? Caught me by surprise this morning. Yeah, the history of soccer slash football uh, would suggest to you that uh, it was about this. John got his money, and good for him. Mm -hmm. The fact that this went public and that many folks knew that the end game was going to be this is just another thing to stack up on Canada soccer. I mean, John got his money, but needed a story about New Zealand out there to get that money. We still haven't heard about a deal with the players outside of Alfonso Davies. Canada soccer should have, could have, and would have had a windfall from the World Cup. Like, I mean millions of dollars that they could have been playing with right now. Instead, 
They paid Iran to cancel a game and hosted Curacao. From what I've heard, they lost money on hosting Curacao. Like, this is all going swimmingly, and hey, a World Cup is just, what, three and a half years away? Like, I had a piece from a year ago entitled Canada Soccer, either you're in or you're in the way. Mm -hmm. You can Google that bad boy, and maybe I'm wrong. I hope I am. But why does it feel like at every step, the organization and the organization, the organizing body of the world's most popular sport in this country with two really good senior teams is constantly in the way? Love that. I remember that you're in, what was it? You're, you're in or you're in the way. Either you're in or you're in the way. Got it. Yeah, so I nailed it. Usually when you're going out yeah. on a night, yeah. like old school Uncle Timmy with long flowing locks would yell out, hey, either you're in or you're in the way. Love so it. let's go. Love it. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Davies there. Uh, we have a goal from Alfonso Davies today in the German Cup uh, against Mainz. Oh, look at this. Oh. They are playing the German <laughs> Cup and Alfonso Davies. He rises and he scores a goal. He beats Finn Darman. For Mainz, Feis, Polizei. I'm hearing um, from the control room that that sounds more like a German-Scottish accent. That's okay. <laughs> Whatever. It's his first goal since the World Cup. Not as good as his French, Sebi? No. No, not quite. Not quite. Okay, it's not quite Tony Romo? No. Damn well, it. No. Still to come, can't read hour number two. We'll see how his German <laughs> accent is. We'll visit with Sean Reed at the rink, Craig Simpson, head of the Bruins and the Leafs. Got a quote from Brad Marchand that I want to kind of peel the layer of the onion back with perhaps Darren Millard, who will join us. Sam Acho on Tom Brady, and up next, Donovan Beatty. Donovan Bennett on Brady. Brady there you my go. start That's has been terrible. No, Donovan from the Beatty. German accent to all. Donovan Bennett on Tom Brady. It's okay, Tim. And we'll <laughs> celebrate Black History Month next on Tim Events. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate that. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I would change the thing. Love you all. When you think of the playoff battles, the seven-game series, and again, it, it's almost destined, you know, that if you're going to get to the Stanley Cup Finals, you're probably going to have to go through Boston. Plantain. You yeah, said, plantain. are you going to say Plantain? Plantain. No, Plantain. 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> Who are the real game changers, the vanguards of this era that are changing the perception of our people by the way they handle themselves? I got a couple, but I'm fascinated to hear who you guys got. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. He is the host of Going Deep with Donovan Bennett, a longtime friend of the show. It is Donovan Bennett. Hola, como estas, amigos? No, no, it's, it's Donovan Baby. That's who it is. <laughs> What's Donovan up, Donovan Baby? Yeah, baby? It's my rap name, Donovan Baby. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> so, it was actually going to be Donovan Brady. I mixed the two together. No, no, and that's I was fair. Just like, We're both yeah. goats. That's fair. You know, it, I, I get all the time. If I had, like, not even a dollar, a nickel yeah. for every time you make an order. Like, yeah, what's the name? Donovan. Oh, Donovan Bennett? Oh, you mean like Donovan Bailey? And I have to do, oh yeah, I mean, you know, he's faster than me or he's better looking than me. Oh yeah, he's got more money. Like, he's got better no. Glasses than uh, yeah, yeah, all of yeah. the things. Like, how many people who think it's funny, oh, like, it's, your name's Donovan and starts with B, and so I'm gonna make this <laughs> Donovan Bailey joke? Like, it's not funny. It's not funny. Stop it. camera. It's not funny, That's Canada. Good. That's so, really good. all of the other Donovans out there that start with a B, I feel you because you're just trying to make 
a coffee order and the barista has to make that joke. It's not funny. Shout out to Donovan Bailey. That's it's Black really History bad. Month. He is a Black History legend. Sorry, we're talking about Yeah, can Tom you show the rest of that oh, shirt yeah, while sure. we're talking? Because I don't yeah, want so, people to think you're wearing sure. a, 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 a weed shirt. Yeah, uh, that's Herb the, Carnegie at the bottom. Yeah, Black like History it. legend. Nice. Herb Carnegie. Shout out to his grandson, Rain, who uh, blessed your boy uh, with this uh, shirt. That's awesome. So great. I want to get into all of that in a flash. But you and I have a long history of talking football. And I was curious, as soon as you walked in, what your reaction to this Tom Brady retirement is from, uh, as uh, Jesse and I have now coined it, the speech on the beach. Yeah. Um, yeah so you coined it. Okay. My initial reaction might be unique to me, somewhat antithetical. My initial reaction is Tom Brady clearly doesn't like black people. What? Because this is year two. On Feb 1, oh, okay. my guy just has to drop his retirement, ruin all of the rollout plans. No, it, doing it, it as we speak. Yeah. I said, put your black history on hold, Fred. Yeah, Let's I mean, talk about Tom Brady. I didn't think about that. Blame me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Tom Brady, racist. No, I'm joking. It's already yeah, trending. We're, we're allowed to joke. They're going to clip yeah, that, put I it know. out there. I'm going to be canceled. My immediate thought was forever, ever? Forever, ever? Like, we just did this and you clearly don't have an exit plan other than raining on greg olson's parade like can we throw uh, some water out for greg olson yes who is doing an outstanding job really good job yeah Uh, and he's gonna get his super bowl the one by himself finally until now he's not maybe not psych (laughs) i was gonna be at the super bowl regardless either playing or calling it for fox two for flinching greg (laughs) um I, i thought Listen, this is not unique to football or highly competitive people. Talk to anyone, not his age, but in upper age, retirement is hard. It's difficult. We talk about retirement parties as if it's a celebration for everybody, and it's not. Some people need something to get them up in the morning, and you are shedding your former self by saying, I'm going to go into this next chapter. And it wasn't pretty this year, but there are still multiple teams that would take Tom Brady as their starting quarterback. Tom Brady at this point is like Desmond Bennett, my son. Can be really good, but it has to be the perfect circumstance. The the peanut butter has to be laid out properly, have to take the crust off of it. He's good. One thing is off, and you got a 20-minute tantrum. Tom Brady, clean pocket, receivers that can win early, he can still sling it. However, some pressure in his face, some terrible offense around him, and that's what he's doing. He's leaning over asking why he's still eating avocado ice cream and being hit by D. Lyman. Yeah. So, I, 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 to me, I took it as he's reconciled with the fact that although I still can do this, I don't want to do everything that it takes to do this anymore. And it scares me less to go into a new frontier than it does having to go to OTAs with a bunch of guys that I've just met that's uh that's well put and i think that there's a thirst trap element to tom brady <laughs> it's also well put i should have just said yeah that. He, he won't go away and i i you know i get it it's the same thing that makes you great that makes you cling but that's enough like look at that he's got his bill russell sure but if he's a niners quarterback he could get another one Right? Like, he, you don't think he's thinking I that? I know. He's back home, I think he's close done. to his parents? I know. I, I, I think he's done as well because you can't be part time and win those rings. Right. You can't go home 
on Wednesdays. Like, I know the four-day work week yeah. is a new thing. It doesn't work in the NFL. Yeah. You can't take a two-week sabbatical in training camp. So, yeah. I, uh, I, I think he's done for now. Okay. But, I mean, we've, we've seen this in sports before. So, I wanted to explain myself uh, a little bit for what I said off the top about having your Black History Month wait just a split second here. But I also wrote something for the day because I wanted to say it properly, awkwardly, but hopefully properly. Uh, And this being the first day of Black History Month, for those who don't know our history, I've known Donovan for like 20 years. And not only are you an original band member on whatever the hell this thing is, uh, you've made me laugh, you've made me cry on air, I might add. You sang to me, which I wish never happened. Uh, You are my homie. You are one of the more thoughtful and authentic people that I've ever worked with in this business. And as such, you were always being asked to do a lot for Black History Month over the years, uh, along with the fact that I think you're black. Um, So I always thought that was a tough spot to be in as you chased your dream, the same way I chased my dream, but nobody ever asked me to do a Maltese Heritage Month piece every year. And you turned that into a leadership role. So I'm kind of sad kind of proud, kind of envious at the way that you have tackled this, but I also think it's fitting given the man that I know you to be. So I just wanted to acknowledge somehow and awkwardly, but honestly, as we often do, how important this was and acknowledge my, our appreciation to you for helping the network, this show, and your extended family tell very important stories that wouldn't otherwise be told or given the same weight. Thank you. That was very nice. That was very nice. That was really nice. Can you like really make sure nice. you, you save that and can, say it at my eulogy? I can. That was very nice. I can give it to you. Yeah, because I, I wanted to jot something down because I didn't want to bleep it up. So you said a lot there. That was very kind. I, I hope my wife is watching. She says similar things <laughs> about me. You laughed and cried. Yeah. When I sang to you, so just no, so no. people know, that was all the same time. No. It was all the exact same time. Yeah, I mean, that's why I did. Maybe you made me cry multiple times. Yes, yes. You were crying so hard when I sang <laughs> yeah. that, yes. that you laughed yeah. at TD uh, Waterhouse Stadium and when yes. you when you sang. Yeah. Um, in terms of doing this content, for me, it is not a burden. Yeah. It is a privilege. We only have 28 days in the month of February for Black History Month. I always find a way to shortchange my people. But when we talk about black history, one, I didn't learn much at all when I was in school. And it's a little bit better now. There is a real fight in the United States to take all black history out of school. Mm -hmm. That's a real thing. So if I have a platform and I can entertain and sneak in a little bit of knowledge, I love to do it. The burden is when Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin... George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Jacob Blake, Tyree Nichols, when they die, and I have to speak about that through the context of sports, that is very difficult. But this, to me, is a blessing. The fact that I get a canvas with which to tell some cool stories, but also bring up some other really influential storytellers as well. Uh, It's my birthday every February 1. What did you do with that canvas today, my friend? Well, you know what? I, uh, I took it to uh, our friend down the street at the OVO Athletic Center, one Lord Messiah Ujiri. Oh, because, nice. you know, we talk about him in a very binary way. He is the 
God MC for somehow finding someone to take Andrea Bargnani yeah. in that contract or yeah. getting Kawhi in the championship. But I think his real legacy will be we're now 20 years in to GOA, Giants of Africa, and that has certainly produced great players that benefit us. Precious Achua was a Giant of Africa camper, but there are so many more, 44,000 more, actually, wow. and 100 courts. And so on those courts, we've got certainly basketball players, we have lawyers, doctors, leaders of industry, and one day I think there will be another president of a sports organization. But Masai, because he's Masai, is certainly not done. Here's my conversation with him. I don't even hear any other music but Afro beats in our practice, you know, like so I think we've transformed the whole the whole organization. Always wheeling and dealing. Masai Ujiri, one of the best shot callers in the NBA. The last thing I'm going to tell you is dream big. It's okay to imagine yourself in the NBA. His vision, his dream has been realized. Shout out to Masai Ujiri. I think he's, you know, one of the best minds in the game of basketball. hundred courts, that's an accomplishment. When you look at where GOA started and where it is now, what's the biggest thing that comes to mind? There's a lot of work to be done, you know, still. I'm going to be 20 next year and you you want to measure progress right you want to measure the work that has been done in the past we went from camps clinics to one country to many countries we went from refugee camps to slums to tough areas trying to advocate peace to building courts it's always what's next you know like that's that's how the mind works and it centers around how our youth can grow and become bigger. What's the one thing you've learned in the 20 years that you want to apply to what you're doing in the continent and beyond for the next 20 years? You know, the biggest thing that comes to mind all the time is always going to be infrastructure. You know, like, and how do you build infrastructure on the continent? Where do these kids go play? Where are these tournaments, leagues, all these things being held? When we start thinking of, you know, how um, we're going to transform this continent, it has to be infrastructure and that's that's a good learning for me for the last 20 years. Post George Floyd's death, a lot of companies, institutions put out statements and press releases saying they were committed and wanted to engage. Have you seen a sustained amount of support in having people support the things that you're doing and really truly engaging? I think people support. Have they supported themselves as much? I think there's questions to be asked. Some of these uh, organizations, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> we're finding young players, we're going to grow, we're going to win, and that's what we want to do here. Christian comes to the league from the same place Pascal does. A lot of people assume that they must have had a relationship because no matter where you are, you know that people assume that all black people know each other. But what does it mean that, you know, Christian has Pascal as an example, even though they didn't really have a relationship beforehand. I think the continent is even bigger than people think. For these guys to actually <laughs> know each other, it has to take, you know, like a, a basketball situation, right? A camp, a clinic, a competition. But it tells you how much talent there is on the continent that these two guys come from the same place, same country as Joel Embiid. The world is ahead of all of them. 
and they also have young kids that look up to them now. So there's going to be more of them. Yeah, because Christian saw Pascal, he saw Embiid, and said, these guys can do it, you know, then I can try and I can be. What do you think it meant to those kids? What did it mean to you to see all three of them uh, take the court together uh, when you guys played the Sixers? Yeah, that was that was incredible. You know, like uh, it was. A, I think it was a good moment for us on the continent. You know, like to see that it was even a bigger moment for me to see OG, Precious, Christian, and Pascal on the court at the same time. Four African players in a Raptor gear, in Raptor uniform, playing on the court. You know, like that's really special. You know, we'll give OG the pass of being African. <laughs> uh, every year we give him a pass. I don't know. <laughs> All these kids, they are little brothers. Because you see these guys go from one place, sitting down in camps to like coming and now, you know, facing the pressures of, this is my life now. This is what I do now. They're learning, they're growing, they're attentive. I think most important, they are adorable young men. You know, like I, I truly commend them for their journey. They are also aspiring, which I think it's a big part of our hearts, right? You know, like, become. What can you become? And don't stop because you carry um, the weight of a continent on your shoulder. Outside of basketball and February 9th and whatever happens with the Toronto Raptors, we are lucky to have Masai Ujiri in this city and in this country. And I'm lucky to have Donovan Bennett stick around for one more segment. We'll do that segment next right here on Tim and Friends. Coming up, we will build you up to the Leafs and the Bruins on Sportsnet. Sean McKenzie's dropping by Craig McKenzie at the ring. Plus, after the break, Donovan helps us out with another story. This time, well, that looks good. How come I wasn't invited to that meal? Um, I hate to tell you, but... <laughs> We hope your game day starts right here on Tim and Friends. And that game day today, game day today is the Leafs and the Bruins live. Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey, Carolyn Cameron and company will immediately follow your favorite pregame to the pregame as the Leafs look to continue their role at home. Not only have the Buds beaten Boston in three straight at Scotiabank, but Toronto's 44 points through the first 28 home games of a season tied for second most in franchise history. The only time they had more through 28 games was 75 years ago. 75! And don't look at the right side of your screen. Some history has followed those great starts at home, but it must be noted a few less teams to beat to win the cup back then. Donovan Bennett in studio. You watching Leafs and Bruins tonight on Sportsnet? Given the... The low-key jabs at uh, top six players on the Leafs. I got to watch. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I got to get through that. We're, Darren Malai is going to join us, and we'll talk about what Brad Marchand said and what Jesse said, which is hockey needs more Brad Marchands. Okay, fair. Fair. If you play with them, maybe, not if you play against them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You play against. that's the point. That's, that's, that's kind of yeah. sort of the point. Yeah. And if you look at the history of most sports, there's a bunch of guys like that I absolutely positively love. Uh, I love you for coming in and doing this with us. And You brought not one. This is the best part is that you've brought work. Yes. Which helps me immensely. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah just, you know, living up uh, 
to uh, the stereotype of just like bringing people who aren't invited. Uh, that's what I'm doing. Bring them more than, than uh, maybe you asked for. No, so uh, speaking of uh, the stereotype, it's a real thing that for me, and, and, and you know this, uh, given kind of where you're raised, that like the great conversations, people certainly of our culture, of all ethnic cultures around yeah, food, yeah. around the dinner table. And yeah. so I don't think it would have been appropriate if we got out some dominoes and did some double six, but I got our boy, Cabral Richards, yeah. who is really, really astute. He just doesn't let people see that side of him. Um, <laughs> Trailblazer, story tinker, uh, MVP of the Grey Cup, Enoch Mwamba. And we got a nice. spread of food, charged it to the expense account, don't right. worry, uh, and, and had the great conversations that we normally have about sports. And the first one that we had was about the historical black sports figures that we love and revere. Take a look. Oh, this looks phenomenal. Yes, yes. What do we have here, Chef? We have some Trini-style meatballs, some sudden bites, which is a fusion of Creole and Caribbean. And then we have our fish cakes, which is Accra. It all sounds amazing. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, I lost, I forgot everything, but I'm just going to try it all yeah. for sure. Thank you. Dig in. I, I love this because for our people, so many of the great conversations are over food and fellowship. We got food from, from all over the world. We took our greatest and best black historical sports figures, and we all had them at a meal like this. Who would you bring to the table? Who's the, who's the person you would nominate? I think it would be Arthur Ashe. Ooh, I like that. You know, he's a Wimbledon champion, and US Open champion, but Arthur had to exist in so many white spaces. I mean, it's the world of tennis. Hmm. He had a different approach in the way that he moved in the world and tried to affect change. Arthur Ashe would be, uh, would be the one I would have at this dinner. That's solid. May I? Yeah, of course. <laughs> if you don't, I will. I think for myself, it'd be Flojo. Um, yes. I think on the female side, we don't get enough recognition in terms of sports and Facts. athletics, especially as a strong black woman. I would love to have her at the table. Flojo in her prime, you were like minus five years old yeah. at the time. Right. right. So, uh, <laughs> actually, was it 1049 and 88? Still, most men can't run. <laughs> Say that louder. Still, most men can't run. For real. Who you got? Cassius, Marcellus Clay. Okay, okay. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it gave Muhammad Ali, for those who don't know. Me, when I look at, you know, the measure of a man or a woman, people are measured by character, but it's way beyond what they just do. And to me, I don't know how many other people impacted the magnitude or the amount of people that he had beyond, you know, the, the sport of boxing. Right. Is there a prompter in here? Did you read? <laughs> there's no ums, there's no ahs. Like, hey, he spoke from the heart. I am, I'm tearing up over here. I actually came with two because I was afraid that one of you would teeth one of mine and I didn't want to have nothing to say. I'll start with William Russell. Bill Russell, right? All them rings and things you sing about, bring them out. Bring them like, out. And, but also one at every level, but at secondary to what he did from a civil rights standpoint, whether it was on the road, oh, for real? Like, we can't all eat as a team? You know, we stand on the on the shoulders of giants, so we have 
our experiences aren't as severe as theirs. In order to like stand up, you're risking your career, ultimately your life, because you don't know what's going to happen afterwards. We well, talk about mental toughness as athletes too. I mean, it's mentally tough to just play your sport and right. to have that on top of it. I can't even imagine the, the place you'd have to go to to be able to focus on the task. And play How, well. Well, that's the thing. How great they would be if they could have just played free. Bill Russell, man, look, you would have had another 20 sets of rings. You two use sport as a way to, to get away, right, to escape. Imagine if you're in an era where you're reminded of all of the negative things they have to deal with in your everyday life. To me, can't give them their flowers and their love enough. Nice, love it. I love the Arthur Ashe pick too. Yeah. I have a book, I have two books of quotes at home and Arthur Ashe is littered throughout that just because I feel like the way that he looked at life is very relevant these days. Yeah. It's very calculated. I have one in front. A wise person decides slowly but abides by those decisions. Oh, okay. Like we're always so quick to judge and decide on what we're doing. Yeah. And everyone just says it. Go out and do it. Live by it, right? Mm-hmm. And I, know you, and I know that you do because you just provided two mm -hmm. pieces of it for us. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Love it. Uh, Donovan Bennett in studio. You will see him more often and you can catch him going deep. Sportsnet YouTube podcast, wherever you want to get it. Uh, coming up. Pre-game of the pre-game. Leafs and Bruins. Pretty big game. Ken Reed in studio for the hour. Plus trips to the ring with Sean McKenzie and Craig Simpson. Plus what Brad Marchand said. Next, right here. Sheep Dogs, full second hour on the way. Tim and Friends, which includes Craig Simpson, Darren Millard, Sam Acho, hello, Kenny Reed hey, in buddy. studio. We almost matched today. What is? Yeah, we almost do. And there's there's trophies on the desk. They're what back. The, what? The trophies are back. Why are the trophies back? Because the public's demanded it. Uh, Who is the public? Owen Sound and Owen Sound for Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada. They demanded it. They're back. Yeah, they were gone for a year. You lost the bet. That year. But you're, you're supposed to. Like, that is like, I know Dr. Reed mm -hmm. raised a man that pays his debt. Absolutely. I and paid it. You think you've what paid What was this. the bet? I forget. You don't even know what the bet was. No, but the bet was get rid of your trophies. And for you now. Did. Dot, dot, dot. No, for no, a year. Dot, dot. It was I, for a year. You know, like, it's for a year. You know, Jesse, am I wrong here, or does he not represent himself as a stand-up guy? Old school. I like fights. No video tributes. Wheelie I'm bag. A, I'm a wheelie bag. Uh, nice, high, tight haircut with the size burns. Very He's still got high, the size. It's yeah. gastastic. It's really like it's the size sharp. burns. No sharp. size burns. Yes, size burns. Yeah, size burns. Oh. <laughs> that was my old. Uh, yeah. That was my old barber. I had a barber take them off when I was 22. I was oh, not yeah, happy. Yeah, upset. Uh, was not happy. But the guy that that Dr. Reed rose. Raised. Raised. Mm -hmm. I'm a man who paid my debt. I paid Raises. my debt to society. I believe everybody deserves a second chance. And these trophies, <laughs> these trophies deserve a second chance. We're in a society that doesn't forgive. Yeah. This man no. forgives. <laughs> like okay, Brady. This man forgives. Trophies right. are like Brady, unretiring. Yeah, they just keep on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right.
right. Uh, Bruins Leafs, shall we? Let's do it. This is be a good one. Yeah, it is the <laughs> final night of the NHL ahead of the All-Star break. Two games on the ice, including the Leafs hosting the Bruins and Scotiabank. Wednesday night hockey feels like a big one, so with more, let's go live with Sean McKenzie. And an eventful day down at the rink, eh, Sean? <laughs> Yeah, Timmy, it started off like a normal morning skate. The guys went out there, they did their stuff. Both the Leafs and the Bruins were optional. And then Brad Marchant went out on the ice, and he was one of the few optional players that did go out for the Bruins, and he was out there for, a, in fact, a very, very long time. So we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and it got to the point where we thought, okay, is, is this worth it, you know? We thought, oh, it's Brad Marchant. You stick around, you listen to what he has to say. And that's when things got interesting. He had a lot to say. We'll let you take a listen. Not really many guys that like to get into it. Mitch is out there talking about video games and his dog and <laughs> <laughs> those terrible new skates that he's got out. But uh, yeah, other than that, um, it's not a whole lot of guys that like to get into it. Guys have, have tried to take less to win because we know that it, uh, you know, it bleeds through the lineup. If you can have six guys that make lower salary other than three, that's a lot harder to play against. Um, you know, and that's why we've been good for so long. So we covered a wide variety of topics and took some subtle jabs at the Leafs. If that's how you take it, it's up to Brad Marchand to clarify if that's exactly what he meant or it was just oh, a remark about nothing. He had some fun at Mitch Marner's expense. But he did say, though, that he's a big fan of Mitch Marner and he has a lot of respect for him. But it was classic Brad Marchand. And the thing that I think is the most interesting is Mitch Marner wore those skates yesterday. So Brad Marchand is very tapped into social media. And we saw that where... Just a few hours after he spoke, he got into it with a few media members. He had a little fun with Steve Dangle. So uh, it was Brad Marchand at his best, guys. Uh, I said, Jesse said this. I reiterated, I think, Ken, like the NHL is much more fun with Brad Marchand in it. He's right? awesome. I yeah. love it. I absolutely love it. Tons of players are like this. They just don't want to say it to us. So good for Brad for saying it. I'm just, more, more guys should be like this, Sean. I had this conversation with someone saying, I, I understand fandom, and I understand where if you're a fan of the Leafs or really any other team, you'd look at Brad Marchant and go, I hate him, I don't like him, and that's understandable. That's what loyal fandom is. But I wish some of those fans could sit back and just see him for what he is. And in a lot of ways, he's a genius, and he's a superstar hockey player. Let's not forget about that. But he has this ability to agitate, and he's so smart, and he's so concise in what he said, and you hear him. And a lot of that is just, it's brilliant stuff. It's little subtle jabs. And you know what? He's just a, a great guy to talk to. So I've always been a big Brad Marchand fan. I know a lot of people will say, oh, you know, he does this. He did that to my favorite team. But uh, the NHL is a much, much better place where Brad Marchand's having fun we in it. We all need wrestling heels. Love me or hate me yeah. just don't like me people know who he is and if you don't like brad marchand i don't like you and it's a you problem <laughs> i thought we were being accepting <laughs> no hey, brad marchand's awesome. but like you just say nine times out of ten you love what he brings to the table and the other time who cares i love You're, him yeah uh, awesome. I, I love you sean thanks for doing this buddy Thank you. I think uh, Kenny's trophy there says pick two's palest man. So that's a good trophy. Yeah. And you can laugh at it. Yes. Mackenzie's yeah. a beautiful bronze. Yeah. I've golfed with him before. But He's immaculate. Here's the one thing that I don't understand about our day and age is like 
The one thing I know about humanity is that we make mistakes. Absolutely. Right? Like every day. Every, yeah. To, to be human is to make mistakes. Yeah, but and you, we get don't, this, you get this little thing out, <laughs> nobody's allowed to make it. And them. we don't allow for it. So I don't even care if I disagree with you five times out of ten. Thank you. Like, that's okay. Thank you. And if Kenny believes that about Brad Marchand, then I'm not going to yell at him and scream at him. Back in the day, right. it was all about I fought <laughs> for your right to to disagree with me. Right. That's what the, that's very, the world we need consistent. with wheelie bags. <laughs> Tim and Ken solve world's problems. We All right. Uh, more news uh, this time of the baseball variety. Hey, we got some baseball news. Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame inductions 2023. Jesse Barfield's going in. I love that. As well as former major leaguers Denny Boucher, Expos and Blue Jays. Rich Harden, longtime Manitoba baseball coach and exec. Joe Witcher induction will take place June 17th nice. in St. Thomas, Ontario. Oh, Includes 2020 inductees John Allroad and Jacques Doucet is also in, going in, which makes our French-Canadian cameraman Sébastien très joli. Circuit. That's a big one. All right. Uh, sure sign. Springer's around the corner. How about this? The Jays equipment truck loaded up. We show this every year. Every year. Every year. Does it not make you feel like, I well, it's minus 20 outside? How do you know that's not stock footage from last year? Because I've been told by the producers that's today. And I, <laughs> well, obviously it is. I was being sarcastic. I, I, agree with I trust them. I understand it. Yeah. Uh, was that a New Jersey Devils hockey hoodie? Was, anyway. I love that it's a Canadian pitchers. team. And that it's a Devils hoodie and a Bauer hockey bag with Blue Jays on it. <laughs> uh, pitchers and catchers 15 days wow. away. Rest of the team report. Can you stop interrupting me? Is that a good song or a terrible song? That's a terrible song. But is it a terrible song that becomes a good song? No, it's not a Kiss song. It's just a terrible song. <laughs> All right, basketball no, news okay. for a it's huge okay. move in the WNBA. There's been a few in the last little while. Brianna Stewart signed with the New York Liberty in free agency at 28. She is already in the GOAT debate, to be honest, for all women's players. Two WNBA titles and MVP. Two finals MVPs highlighting her mantle all while. She had played pretty well in college, too. Uh, leaves a huge hole for Seattle. He also lost Sue Bird to retirement. Second massive free agent departure in recent days after Candace Parker left Chicago for the defending champs in Las Vegas. And speaking of Las Vegas, Kenny Reed, that's where we go for our next guest, a friend of the show through and through from the Chirp Podcast, Darren Millard. What's going on, D? I, I like chirping. You I'm do. all in favor of it. Exactly. Is it is chirping lost, uh, Darren, on the, the new generation because their feelings are hurt? Because well, they're in, not it, as good at it. They're, they're nowhere they're near as good at really it. Because well, there's bad more microphones it. and they get in trouble for it. Yeah. See, if I was going to go up to you, I'm like, nice haircut there, Pappy Le Pew. Like that's the first thing I would say to you. No, that's lame. <laughs> but I would start. I've had this thing forever. Exactly. That's the lamest chirp going. Listen, Vanessa like, Williams, least, I'm not going to. See, that's, gonna, that's a, my, my point right there. Vanessa Williams, I'm not going to save the best for last. I'm going to build up slow. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> see, that's that. See what we're doing like, here. Start, we're having start fun. Bringing something like going going to the to the the white spot in my hair. Well, should Come we just? On. Well, at least well, we could go. You know, Timmy's not going to say anything about it. Obviously, right? We could go there with that. <laughs> with with his salad or lack thereof. He you know just, what? He just I, got I the steak like, with nothing on the side. I would like his approach. I, I'm just scared to see what I what's would look there? like. <laughs> what's, what's, what's underneath there? But I yeah. like. I, I think Timmy's a good-looking guy. 
I would go there way, way before you, Kenny. Yeah. Way, yeah. Like, like comparing the two of you, I'm, I'm going Kenny all day long. See, Darren, I got a problem because she's getting a little thin up here, top on the back, and I often think of what I will look like sans cheveux, you like McCallum. Thin on the back. Because I've seen pictures of me here. Zoom in. Sebastian. Cameraman. Zoom. It's not that bad at all. Well, thanks, Tim. No, it's not that well, bad. Well, I just got it no. cut. When I let it go, you can really see it. It's bad. No, it's not like Sixero. They go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hold I on. see it now. Like, see? Somebody's yeah. got a bit of a complex here. <laughs> yeah, and you're trying to get out. This guy's complaining about his hair. That's normal. Millard, is this guy complaining about his hair beside me? Yeah. 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 Like, come on. Have some respect for your co-host. Of course I have a bit of it. I know you're not getting paid for this show, and I'm not getting paid for this show. He's the only one getting paid for this show. Jesse, are you actually getting paid? Do they pay you to be here, Jesse? Did you get a raise? Okay, so there's there's two of the four of us are getting paid to be on here. And we wonder why Rogers makes so much money. They don't pay their on air people. Hit the little button there. Despite me not having a cell phone account with Rogers anymore. There you go. All right, let's talk some hockey here. Trickle down economics, whatever. <laughs> I, I would There's say, chirping. Yeah, that's some chirping. We'll see if they get mad at that. That's getting HR. Yeah. Ken Reed fired. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't see that coming. Leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Bruins. Let's discuss the game that can unite Canada, Darren. Because listen, you're a Brandon boy. Uh, I've been across this country. Kenny's been across this country. He's in Nova oh, Scotia. Oh, don't, no, no, don't try and lump yourself into the rest of the country because you've traveled a couple of things. I listen. Doing CIS and U Sports. He lives in the bubble, the Toronto bubble. I He's do, from the Toronto I'm bubble. I'm not the Toronto bubble guy. Please. Millard? Yeah, he's the Toronto bubble. <laughs> yeah, I think you look good. Yeah. And by the way, Kenny, you can come and hang out. We got a little side group of former employees. You can come and hang out with us anytime. Yeah, like every I'm Toronto bubble knows Coach Hemmings show. and meets your dad. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you open travel. the eyes there with the Coach Hemmings. And, and, and you, I see you, your dad in Nova Scotia. You've, tra- you've traveled. This, I've been across this country a little bit. I try to talk to people and listen. And I understand there are two things that unite this country. Sports can do that. And the Toronto Maple Leafs can do that. And the only way the Toronto Maple Leafs can do that also is... Also the hatred of all things Toronto. Latin, you, it's a lot of people inside the bubble. Here. That's Holy his point. Crap. That, was, that, was, his that was the whole point. Yeah, that was his point. Is that some but, people love the Leafs and the rest hate the Leafs. And tonight, playing the Boston Bruins, there is the opportunity for that. <laughs> why didn't you just say that? Like, you could have just said that. Because you interrupted me like 45 <laughs> times, both of you. That's why. And you said I'm a Toronto bubble guy, and that's like the greatest insult that you could throw at Uncle Timmy. And the funny thing is, is that we started off the segment by saying we should be able to chirp at each other, and all three of us have been offended so far. I haven't been offended. <laughs> well, you should be. I haven't been offended. I, I'm, I'm deeply offended. Yeah. 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 Okay, so let's get to this Leafs-Bruins okay. game. Uh, is this the type of game where we get everyone tuning in? Yeah, I think I think there's some interest to see where Toronto is <laughs> in relation to the Boston Bruins. And I watched the game Bruins and Tampa last week, yeah, that and good. that was that was a big boy hockey. I talked to uh, Tampa Bay head coach John Cooper over text after that game, and and he was uh, impressed uh, to what was offered between those two hockey clubs going back and forth. And when I talked to different people around the game, it was. Can Toronto put themselves into that group and play to that extent physically? 
mm-hmm. or do they come out, even though they're right in the middle between those uh, between Boston and Tampa Bay, do they fall outside that? I, I think that's uh, an opportunity tonight for them to prove that they're right in that mix. Well, Millard, the answer to that question is no. And speaking of the Toronto bubble, as here in work, we watch so much of the Leafs, and we forget that there are teams that play big boy hockey. And not everybody turns the cheek. Not everybody doesn't throw hits. There are teams that play big boy hockey. And Bruins and Tampa, absolutely. And that, to me, is the challenge that's in front of Toronto again this year. Will they even try to play big boy hockey, let alone can they? Yeah, and tonight's not the be-all, end-all, but does tonight force Kyle Dubas's hand a little bit more as to where his club is to try and get outside of the Atlantic Division and try to uh, make a like a longer playoff run? I think that's where it really has the biggest impact. And, uh, and you've got a, a roster there that doesn't scream to me that can compete uh, physically into the trenches uh, of a National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoff series. So uh, I still think, and they've got some other players outside of that group uh, that they can insert and, and get a little more physical. But but this team, while they're not all household names, they've got some guys all the way through the lineup up front yeah. and some heavier bodies on the back end that can get in your face and make you feel like you've been in a hockey game. Mm-hmm. Speaking of big boy hockey, Wayne Simmons has drawn in last time they made him. I just, I feel so terrible that, I mean, this guy it's, is an You do it, Wayne. You do uh, it. Yeah, you do an it. accomplished hockey player. You go into Boston, it's like, go fight Nick Foligno. I, I think it's great if, if Wayne comes into the lineup and then people go with him instead of, okay, just Wayne, you do it, and then right. it's fine. Because right. that's not well, going to work. The, is it there? That's the question for the last... 30 years right. is is will anybody follow them into the fight and last year they got closer but uh, I don't know that we won't know that until uh, after game seven of the first round so before we let you go I just I like what's your oh, view on yeah, we, we spent too much time chirping <laughs> yeah we were talking oh. about haircuts and stuff and uh um, what's made Boston so good this year like they're on a legendary pace here they're on a historic pace they can score they, that that's one thing, and what's been overshadowed is their their goaltending and their blue line. I, I wasn't a big fan of their blue line at the start of the year, but they're they're active and they don't give up a ton. And what they do give up, their goalies stop. Uh, and and Allmark's having uh, a season that that is comparable to a video game. Like mm-hmm. look look at these these numbers. Both I mean uh, wins, points, goals against, save percentage. It, you look at first, 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 first. Now, Kenny, yep. you're the fancy guy in the suit. Yep. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. He's no statistician, but that's nope. pretty good. I yeah. don't I, I like the yeah, old and, and I that's wasn't good. sure why they signed him to a four year deal when they when they did. Uh and and they they saw something uh, that was beyond mm-hmm. what uh what my uh, little eye could see and it's been outstanding. His scrambling ability is is underappreciated. Uh, Kenny wants one more, one but quick, we're 42 quick, seconds quick, over. Quick bonus question. You're attendee. You love your attendees. I see those masks behind you, Wayne Stevenson, Ken Dryden. If you could put one mask up there that you don't have from hockey history, who would it be? Mike Palmatier. Nice. I've been nice. after a Palmatier for a while. Nice. Uh, I know it's the Toronto bubble. That must make uh, Timmy happy. <laughs> but uh, but I, I would like a, I would like a Palmatier mask. His Caps mask uh, was great, too. His Caps was beauty. Was. Here's yeah. a story about Palmatier. He didn't like going in when uh, players would shoot uh, because it would hurt. Uh, in practice, so I was told he would stand in the corner every now and then, and Mike Gartner would come down, and Mike Gartner would shoot at him in the corner. 
Ah, cool. Very cool. <laughs> just, just to make fun of the fact that he wasn't standing in the net. Uh, yeah, just in light of your uh, earlier conversation, Paul Bromby, a senior producer here, just weighs in and says it's been a blast working with Ken. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's been I, I wouldn't even go that far. But <laughs> he, could still, he could still come to the meeting of former employees. <laughs> Hashtag so long, Ken. Uh, first round's on you, Ken. Uh, I'll get you at the free uh, free drinks at the golf tournament in Summerside then this summer. Oh, nice. You got the eight. Hey, hey, I love seeing you there. Your brother was outstanding. Oh, I still recite some of his lines. Yeah, yeah, he was good. He was good. That's a great yeah. time. So I can't make it. I can't get out of the Toronto bubble. Thanks, Millard. The bubble. Yeah. See you, boys. See you, uh, there is Darren Millard, friend of the show, through and through on the other side. Uh, we'll chat with a guy who played against Tom Brady. Sam Macho is going to join us to discuss Tom Brady's legacy goat status and whether or not he thinks in 40 days we'll have another announcement. Forty days. Did you ever hear that song? Rockin' Ronnie Hawkins. Forty days. Yeah, he was a Toronto legend. Rockin' Ronnie Hawkins. Yeah, in the bubble. <laughs> Welcome back to Tim and Friends. McAlphan Reed, along with Rubinoff, and our next guest, just like Ken Reed, is an author. Unlike Ken Reed, he played linebacker in the National Football League, and he's getting paid to be here. <laughs> he once sacked Tom Brady. That's streak. Sam right Acho joins us now. Sam, do you remember this moment? Man, I will never, Tim, I will never forget that moment. I remember not only sacking Tom Brady on that play, but also practicing against Tom Brady. We're talking about this play first. One thing I understood is that Tom Brady was at that point and is now the greatest of all time. Seven Super Bowl rings. This dude has more than 32 other franchises. We've seen that in the news. But what I also realized is that I don't have to beat Tom Brady one-on-one. -on -one. I have to beat the guy in front of me one-on-one. -on -one. Thankfully, the guy in front of me wasn't that great. Also, <laughs> I understood a little bit about their scheme and their system. And so I said, man, if I could just beat this guy, I can say that I sacked Tom Brady. <laughs> so thankfully, I beat the guy. I understood the scheme. I knew they were pulling that guard around. I knew they didn't have a reverse off of that play, so I just jetted to the spot that I knew TB12 would be at, and I sacked him. And notice I kind of jumped over him. He ducked. I knew I didn't know he was going to duck, but mm -hmm. I had to jump back and touch him just to make sure they gave me the credit for the sack. And so that's <laughs> one of the things that, as a player, like I played against Tom Brady, number one. Number two, I sacked Tom Brady. That's how, that's how much of a goat he is. You say, man, I'm practicing against this guy. I played against this guy. And last but not least, the piece about the practice. We scrimmaged back in maybe 2015 or, or so uh, when I was with the Bears. We scrimmaged against the Patriots. Maybe it was 2016. And I got a chance to see Tom Brady up close and personal for three days straight. And all the stuff that you expected, he was that and more. When it came to encouraging his teammates, when it came to running extra laps with all the guys that used to run on this hill, they'd run extra. He did that. Even the special teams period, this guy's a starting quarterback yet in the special teams period at the end of practice this guy's yelling screaming encouraging his team i would love to say that that's when i knew tom brady was a goat but i knew it from the first time he stepped on the field and started throwing all those touchdowns do you have on your body or on a shirt anywhere written i sack tom brady because i would have a giant hawk sized <laughs> tattoo on my back of myself sacking tom brady like how often does it come up and do you have a tattoo of it well, I don't think about it so often because when you're playing, it's one of these things where you cannot see him as in that way. Like, as a player, I'm saying, okay, yeah, you're Tom Brady, but my job is to beat the Patriots. Sure, you're Tom Brady, my job is to beat the Bucks. I don't care how great you are, my job is to beat you. But now, And then now that I'm done, I remember early on, I was like, I played this guy, I played that guy. But then now, like, you don't think about it because he's still playing. 
But now that he's retired, now that he has solidified himself, no, he already did, but now that like it's okay, the chapter's closed, five years later, you're in the Hall of Fame. Mm. It comes back to my memory like, dude, I did sack him. I did play against him. I did be, I was in his presence in practices, watching him, learning from him. I remember taking notes saying, man, this is what the best leaders do. Not everyone else carries that kind of weight to be able to speak and every single person around you mm-hmm. listens. But Tom Brady carries that weight. And I was honored, really, to be able to share the presence with him, grace the field with mm-hmm. him, and yes, sack Tom Brady. <laughs> so no tattoo then? No, no, yeah. no, 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 no tattoo, no t-shirt. <laughs> um, I have a t-shirt with something called Achos Nachos, which is a different <laughs> time for the story. There was a Super Bowl commercial thing that we did. Uh, and I made nachos. I have the t-shirt for that, but no, no Tom Brady. No Tom Brady. Uh, I, I learned a couple of things. One, uh, like me, Sam Acho takes notes. And two, uh, don't bring a tight end that I can't pronounce over on play action uh, on <laughs> Sam Acho because he will make you eat it with a knife and fork. So the, the thing that I love oftentimes about sports, probably because I was a terrible athlete, is you were pretty we, good. we watched Wayne Gretzky, who wasn't the fastest skater. He didn't have the hardest shot. He, he was the greatest by far, and yet if you look the, at the physical characteristics, they didn't all add up. I, I looked the same way at Tom Brady. Like, he, I mean, people make fun of his 40 at the combine. People make fun of his pitcher at the combine. He was a six-round pick. He lost his job at Michigan to Drew Henson. Up close and personal, you saw it, Sam. What made him different than everybody else? I wish I could have spent more time around him years and years as one of his teammates to be able to really nail down that point. Yeah. But what I will say is this. In the few days I was with him practicing, right? This is like our our, our sanctuary. Mm-hmm. In the few times I played against him, I think it's all the stuff that no one sees. I think it's all the things that people don't see when it comes to preparation, when it comes to what you eat, when it comes to when you sleep, when it comes to how you watch film, when it comes to who you're learning from, how you approach practice, how consistent can you be? We heard him say a few years ago, it might have been in in the man of the arena or even in some kind of behind the scenes NFL films thing. He was talking about how no one's going to outwork him. No, he said, you have to, I, I will, I will, I will live, breathe, eat. I will die here. Like, this is what I will do. So if you want to be better than me, you have to outwork me, and that's not going to happen. Kobe Bryant had a similar type of mentality, showing up at the gym at 3 a.m., right? I I, I, I did that once, (laughs) right? End of my career, I was in Tampa Bay. You know what I mean? It was kind of like ninth year in the NFL. I was kind of wanted to make the team, all the things. It was halfway through the season. And I I said, you know what? I heard the greats do this, so I'm going to get up early, right? Get up at 3 a.m. I showed up at the facility. I did it for a couple weeks, right? Maybe a month or so, and it was – it works, but it's hard to do for a consistent period of time. Tom Moore, who's the he was the offensive assistant kind of analyst, but the head coach kind of assistant with Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay, right? That first year they won the Super Bowl. Tom Moore would do that. He would show up at 3 or 3.30 a.m., work until 7.30, and then everyone else would show up in the building. I asked him, I said, why do you do this? He said, well, hey, I get a chance. Not only do I love it, but I get a chance to, to get like a day and a half more than anyone else. He did that for his whole 30-year career. Tom Brady's similar in that way. The stuff that people aren't willing to do, wake up at 3 a.m., go to sleep at 7 or 8, eat avocado toast, avocado ice cream, like the (laughs) stuff that people hire a mental coach. Like, that's what people aren't willing to do. Tom Brady was willing to make those sacrifices, and that's part of the reason. Of course, God-given ability and right coach, right team, right staff. But that's a huge part of the reason that made him who he is.
We have all these stats on the screen right now, but you just said it, Sam. The, the true greats have something that you can't quantify. Like, you can't yeah. crunch a number for the heart or the desire. And that's that's one of the things I just love about sports, too, is that that is something that just can't be quantified. Yeah, it's true. And, and we love to put, it's the combine. The NFL combine yeah. is coming up yeah. soon. This week is a week of senior bowl, where all the seniors, the best in college go, and, and the East-West Shrine game, NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. They go to these places. I went to the combine. I was one of the few invited. And you, 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 you measure your height. And, and your weight and your hand size and your arm length. You go and check all these things out. You wear your uh, tights and they look at you with your shirt on. People can pass, shirt off, excuse me. People can pass the eye test, but what you cannot measure is not only someone's heart, will, and skill, but their mental fortitude. Tom Brady, I, I say this with so much confidence, but I, I believe it to be true. Tom Brady has a different type of mental fortitude than almost any other quarterback you have met. Yes, other guys try to imitate it. Maybe they can. They didn't have the right system or the right coach. But for whatever reason, he was able to win seven rings without the best talent around him. For whatever reason, he was able to encourage, inspire, and enforce his team to believe in something that really hadn't been done before. For whatever reason, he was able to leave Bill Belichick, switch teams, and yes, Tampa Bay was loaded. Mind you, I was on the Tampa Bay team in 2019. It was a top defense. All they needed was a quarterback. They had Mike Evans. But he was able to go and switch teams and win a Super Bowl at his home stadium in his first year with the team. So something that wasn't measured, Tom Brady had. It was in his head, his belief, but also in his heart. That's the stuff that doesn't show up when you go to a combine Mm -hmm. or a 40-yard dash. I love this conversation way more, so I'll make this a yes or no, and partly because we've run out of time. Is he coming back? (laughs) No. No, he can't come back. He retired last year. Um... And, and, and he came back 40 days later. I don't think this year turned out the way he wanted to. He's done for good. He said it himself. He said, for real this time. Yeah, jam- and now he's taking all our TV money. Jam done, yeah. <laughs> 375 three, million. You're doing it for free anyways. Wow. <laughs> good boy. Sammy this watches the, the show. This is the best day. Chirps everywhere. I love it. Uh, thanks for doing this, as always. I know there's a little bit of snow in Dallas, so stay safe. Don't drive the car. Uh, we need you back here, okay? Thanks, Tim. All right, there is Sam Acho. That was Uh, fun. I I love the fact, though, we try to get all these numbers in, and there's something that separates the true greats, and that's just it. you got to want it. Yeah, there's there's so many things, and if we knew that secret sauce. (laughs) Simmer next. Leafs Bruins coming up. There we go. Raptors Jazz on the network. Leafs Bruins coming up. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey. Bruins coming in on a three-game losing streak, but still Ken Reed playing some of the best hockey ever. No cap, no BS, no hype. 38 wins through 50 games, even with the losing streak, is tied for the most in the history of the game. Who are they with? Well, the 84, 83-84 Oilers who won the Cup in five games over the Islanders to end the yeah, pretty good team. Yep. Yeah, not bad. And three teams from over 75 years ago. In the immortal words of Larry David, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Thank you very much, Jesse Rubinoff. <laughs> uh, joining us now, man calling the game from the broadcast booth at the Scotiabank Arena. It's Craig Simpson who joins us here on Tournament Friends. Uh, what's up, Simmer? How are you, man? 
I'm doing great. It, it's good to be considered a Tim friend. It's been a while <laughs> since I've been on, so I thought maybe I got off the friend list. So it, it's it's nice to be back. I wish I, I wish I could get off it. Come back to the well every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. <laughs> Ken really likes coming in somewhere. That's what he's telling us here. Uh, what what's made bet, this yeah. team historic? Like I. I as I looked at those numbers, even after the three-game losing streak, they're, they're jaw-dropping, to be honest. As this is one of the best teams that we have ever seen. Why? Well, you know, it's the details in their game. And I think everybody coming into the season said they had injuries to begin with, with Charlie McAvoy out of the lineup, Marshawn out of the lineup for a little bit. Maybe they'd falter and get off to a bad start, and this would be a tough year. And... You know, I just think that the core of this group uh, knows how to play, brings everybody up to that level. They have a real good commitment to playing a team game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, right from, as Jim Montgomery said, the, the third D pairing to their fourth line guys, they all understand what's expected to play Boston Bruin hockey. And, you know, I, I think the motivation was really there. You know, Bruce Cassidy leaves, and I don't think there's any question that the core leadership group of this Bruins team had a little bit to do about that. And when Montgomery came in, he, he handled it beautifully. He didn't try to change everything. He respected the Bruin uh, leadership group that they had and how strong that is and how consistent they've been as a team. And I think it really inspired the, the players themselves to get off to a good start. And from there, you know, they've just been rolling. And I don't think anybody could have expected Allmark to be yeah. the goaltender he has been this year. So that's a big part of it as well. But I really think that Montgomery did a nice job of not trying to overhaul and bring in all of his ideas. I think he spent a lot of time early on dealing with the veteran group and had really allowed them to take over how things are done. And he's managed it quite beautifully. That takes a special coach to do that, Craig, to, to not try to take over. And that makes me think of a guy like Glenn Sather, who had the horses and I don't know if it, you can tell me it wasn't as simple as, okay, guys, go, but to trust your players and not try to overcoach them, I think yeah. that takes a, a special coach, a special person. Yeah, and you know what? I, I think, you know, Jim getting the opportunity again, I, I think he realized how much that meant. He He's put all the work in himself to be back on a bench as a head coach in the National Hockey League and he knew going into a situation in Boston that you know that leadership group had done it from within for a lot of years you know even with Zdeno Chara obviously gone uh, Patrice Bergeron as the captain now is a pretty good alternative to that so uh, I think he understood the culture and came into it with uh, I, I think his eyes wide open his communication skills were really good in terms of dealing with the players and saying what do you need out of me to get off to a good start and as you said Ken that that's not always an easy thing to do I think a lot of coaches come into that environment and say I got to change things around mm -hmm. I got to put my stamp on it I, I think the the most uh, incredible thing with what Jim has done here is he's allowed the team to to really uh, engage with him to put the stamp together and you know this is probably the first real bit of adversity well it is that they've had all year you know this is a team that hasn't lost four games in a row since december of 2019 and so here tonight in the last game before the break on a last game of a five game road trip it's it's probably the most adversity that they've handled and I, it'll be interesting to see how they respond to it we just saw a board that showed the top three home winning percentages in the league it just so happens to be Boston Tampa and the Toronto Maple Leafs Leafs 24 and 4 <laughs> yeah. at home this year 
Uh, and I also saw a note that they've used 32 different skaters this year, second to only Colorado. Have you seen something different from this Leafs team this year, Craig, that would suggest that maybe they're, they're, they're better apt to deal with adversity? Yeah, I think a couple of things. Uh, without question, their bottom six, I think, has been better than it has been at any point for Sheldon Keefe. I, I think it's always been a difficult spot for him to coach and get the matchups that he wanted and really define what your third line looks like and what role that they can have. Uh, you know that he's changed the lineups. And as you said, 32 players, there's only 50 contracts. So it's been yeah. a, a year where guys have had the opportunity to come in and maybe, you know, make their uh, chance or their, to stay and stay in the lineup and have an impact. Uh, but I, I think that's been a part of it. The, the top two lines without the little exchanges of, of Matthews and Tavares and changing Marner and Nylander, you know that the top guys coming off of career years are having great years again. So I, I think that was a given coming in. But the depth on the blue line has really helped too. And, you know, Morgan Riley goes down, uh, Jake Muzzin goes down, TJ Brody goes down. And I really think that that galvanized not just the defensive core that they had to, you know, really have attention to detail and how they executed and how they played. And guys that got an opportunity like Lilgren and, and Sandine to play bigger roles, Justin Hall to play a bigger role, I think embrace that. And it's probably the right time for those players in their careers to have that opportunity given to them because of injury. And instead of hurting this team, I think it helped the team. And collectively, I thought the forwards did a much better job of being a tight defensive group uh, as a unit of five out there. So sometimes that little bit of adversity can help you to solidify how you have to play to be successful. And I think the, the players have handled it well. And I think Sheldon's done a pretty good job of juggling the pieces and fitting them together to, to try to keep some consistency in their group. Brad Marchand held court before the game today, saying nobody really chirps with me anymore. Uh, Mitch Marner gets out there, talks about video games and his dog. <laughs> Craig, who's the best chirper you ever played with or against? <laughs> Oh, boy. You know, I, I, probably with uh, Kevin McClellan yeah. in Edmonton was was relentless and like literally talking to guys from the bench onto the ice. And, uh, you know, he always had a good barb. He always cut pretty deep at times and went after guys and was relentless after him. You know, the amazing thing, and I don't know if Brad can take it very well, the one thing, Kevin Mack, he, he didn't take it very well. So you went at him, <laughs> all of a sudden, you got to look like, you know, what are you doing? I said, hey, man, if you're going to give it that much, yeah. you got to have thick skin and be able to take it. But, you know, without question, uh, he, he was a guy that just relished in it, loved it, and gave a little smirk to our teammates on the bench when he'd go after somebody it. in a game. I can't believe someone would chirp him back. Tough dude, <laughs> tough dude. <laughs> well, the, the chirp usually was that he was sitting on the bench saying it. So that, that was usually the chirp from the guy on the ice who, who was playing. Nice. And, uh, uh, that one always hurt. So, yeah. you know, but he got, he, as you know, he played a pretty significant role and had some huge games for yeah. them as well. Well, they but, said uh, that to me in midget C. At least he was in the NHL on the bench. <laughs> yeah, when they said that to him. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you doing this on a game day. Always great talking hockey with you. All right, guys, have a good night. See you, Sam. There is uh, Craig Simpson. He will be part of the call tonight. Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey, Leafs, Bruins. Samson off getting the stuff. That's one thing I love about hockey. No matter what level, you can chirp another guy. You played men's league with me. <laughs> yeah, and the same kind of McClellan reaction, too, I'll be honest. All right, panel's next. more ice in my drink.
Game day starts with Tim and friends, and tonight it is a nice menu. We've got the Leafs hosting the Bruins. If you haven't heard, Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey across the country. Raptors and Jazz with a lot. It's my jazz. It's real good. That's on Sportsnet One with a lot of GMs on hand, a lot of scouts on hand for that one. That'll be interesting as well. One more time with the whiplash over here. Utah Jazz coming for you. Probably a good time to send it over to uh, the crew calling this game. The Scotiabank Wednesday night panel. Carolyn Cameron and crew, take it away, please. I don't want to hear what a, Yeah, what a segue. Uh, <laughs> Sam Cosentino, Justin Bourne, and yes, I am Carolyn. Okay, here's the matchup tonight. You know it. The Leafs and the Bruins. The Bruins, for the first time this season, they've lost three in a row. The Leafs, they're still without Austin Matthews. It's a rivalry as old as time. What do you expect? This is a heavyweight tilt. This is two of the best three teams in the league. This is going to be awesome. And you know what? Everyone's ready to go home for the break, so everyone's ready to empty the tank and say, all right, let's get after it here. You got Marshan in the morning. He's starting to zip off a little bit. It's a lot of fun. You got the Toronto Maple Leafs saying, all right, our bags are packed. They're all at home. We're ready to take off for the sun. But first, we want to send this team to a four-game losing streak. This should be a lot of fun. Should be chippy physical affair as well. And listen, it's really hard to sell people on there being any sort of race in the Atlantic Division. But, like, tonight could make a difference. I mean, right now, the Leafs are 11 points back. They win tonight. You move to nine. There's 30 games left in the season. If there's to be any hope for the Leafs in winning the division and avoiding Tampa Bay, it's tonight. So, yeah, listen, I know it's probably not going to happen even if they win tonight, but they have no chance without tonight. So, you know, there are some stakes here for the Leafs. I'm with you. I know it's 11 is still a steep hill to climb, but there's time. There's time. And you think Wayne Simmons being in the lineup tonight, too, is maybe a telling foreshadowing of what's to come? Well, it was a typical physical affair if you go back to January 14th. And that game was pretty awesome in that Toronto led 1-0, led 2-1. Then they were down 3-2. Matthews tied it. It was a lot of fun. And you see the teams lining up at the line here, trying to get after one another. we got stripes in the middle. Ken Reed's there. Hey, Jay Greer, what's going on? It's a whole lot of fun. And there's Matthews when he tied it up at 3-3. Hey, <laughs> hello. But it wasn't to be done there because Grizzlick did his thing for the Boston Bruins with about a minute 16 left in the game. That ended in a 4-3 win for the Boston Bruins. Both of the previous meetings have been decided by a goal, and this one should be Chippy Simmons in there. Maybe he's looking for another dance date with his old teammate Felino. Can't help but wonder, like, every time it's a big game and they're playing a competitive team that has big guys, they're like, yeah, yeah, Simmons is in again. <laughs> and so it's we know that they like to have Simmons to answer that, but I think about playoffs, they're going to play a big competitive team one way or another. So, you know, is this, maybe is not Simmons going to be in, but is someone like Simmons going to be the guy? Maybe it is him. They clearly seem to like having some... I don't want to say enforcer, but some enforcement out there. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, also of note, this is the final meeting between these two teams until April. Right. Back to Ken and his trophies and Tim. <laughs> yeah, he's got a few trophies. And Lots of them. Thank you, as always. Appreciate you dropping by on a game day. One more thing on the Marshawn. And listen, I know the Mitch Marner thing was cute about the skates and the video game, but he said something that I thought dug pretty deep. And he said, we put it out on Twitter and it ran. Guys have tried to take less to win because we know that it bleeds through the lineup. If you can have six guys that make lower salary, other than three, it's a lot harder to play against, and that's why we've been so good for so long. I remember Brendan Shanahan tried to say the same thing about his Toronto Maple Leafs and got laughed out of the building. I said he was right on the show. I got laughed out of the building. He should not have been but this is kind of sort of why Boston's been good. 
It is. Yeah. It is. You've got to have yeah. a balanced lineup, and you balance lineup in a cap uh, era by balancing the money. So, right. absolutely. And the same reason why the Leafs are good, they're high talent, the reason why they haven't been able to get over the edge is because they haven't been able to support exactly. that well, talent. Look, it's, it's, it's nothing new to go back to Pittsburgh. Uh, Malkin, Crosby both took cuts. They got Latang at a good rate. Find find the proper balance with the rest. Able to get yeah. Kessel, right? You're good find to go. Trade. You're right. good to go, and he gets you over the top. All right, rest of game time, Jesse Rubinoff. You know who's going to make a lot of money eventually in the National Hockey League? Connor Bedard. It's Connor Bedard. He's absolutely on fire. Last night, he extended his point streak to 34 games and a loss to the Red Deer Rebels. Tonight, the Pats will face the Hitmen at the Saddle Dome, where they've opened up the Upper Bowl and are expecting a sellout crowd. The capacity for the Saddle Dome is 19,289. Earlier today, Bedard spoke about playing in front of a full house. It's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, for us to obviously tonight play in front of I don't know how many people, but it's, it's a lot. So, uh, you know, it's exciting for, for all of us to have that. And, uh, you know, I think that's something you don't really get, get tired of. You know, I think it brings, brings some extra energy in you. And, uh, you know, obviously on the road, they don't, they don't like you as much, which is, which is fun. And, uh, you know, when you're home, they're, they're cheering for you. So, you know, either way, you're, you're kind of getting fired up for it. So, Kenny, if you were in Calgary tonight, would you be dropping everything to go watch this kid play? Money-wise? Well, time-wise, money-wise. Uh, Sold out. Money, no, I'd use my media pass. <laughs> uh, listen, I know that this is a bit of a scam because the person that put this ticket up is probably not going to sell this ticket, but the number is around $3,400 to get a front row seat to see a WHL game. I, I know that there is some context there that needs to be added, but these numbers are absolutely ridiculous outside hey, of the prices. If I saw Pamela Anderson, I'd throw it out there as well. Hey, Pam, you want to go catch dinner in a movie? Yeah. She'd <laughs> say no, but he's just throwing the 3,400 out there. Uh, speaking of 34, 34 game point streak. Do you know how many points he's got in those 34 games? I'm going to say 78. 88. Whoa, pretty close. 88 pretty points close. in the Didn't 34 want to go over games. Price is right, Price is right yeah. rules, exactly. That's yeah, pretty ridiculous. Uh, longest point streak in WHL history, Jeff Nelson, 56. I was going to say Colby Armstrong. <laughs> uh, all right, the Bruins are a wagon. They're first in the Not league, seven list. points up on the second place. Carolina Hurricanes have won six in a row. In fact, the Bruins are currently tied for the most wins in the first 50 games of a season ever. Timmy, what's been the biggest reason for the Bruins' success this season? Yeah, there's a lot of answers to this one. The depth, the, the continuity in the lineup, the big guns doing big gun work, Pasternak. But Linus Allmark, did you know what Linus Allmark was going to be for this team? No. Have a look at these stats. Yeah, not this. Yeah, 25 wins first. Points percentage first. Goals against average first. Save percentage first. It's been unbelievable. Yes, and a lot of people, coaches. yeah, a lot of people wondered <laughs> if he was the guy to give a four-year deal to. Uh, they saw something and they saw right. Uh, I have uh, just one final tweet to send us off. Um, as per the reemergence of what's on the trophies. table there. Hardware, yeah. Yeah. Ken Reed's trophy Twitter account. Nice. Back like Jordan. Wow. Wearing the wearing the four or five. Nine likes. Nine likes. Nine including, likes. Including, including me. Nine so there likes. You go. It's about awesome. to be ten when I get off. <laughs> and and Jesse's was an archival. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that does it for us, kids. Enjoy the game tonight. Leave some Bruins going toe to toe. Carolyn and Company next as we unwrap or wrap up the unofficial first half in the National Hockey League. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks, Kenny Reed. No Thanks, Jesse Rubinoff. Happy Enjoy the game. We will talk tomorrow. It's not what we said all show.